Hello, Doug. <laughs> Hello, Karen. And, and I'm looking over at me. Next to me, hello, Alyssa. Hi. Hi. So we're back. Sort of. (laughs) What happened was my computer can't handle it after all this time laying dormant. So we're experiencing some tech difficulties, and we're going to try and record over it. So if you hear some glitches, some pauses, some weird sounds, it's not you, it's us. Um but we want to go ahead and give you some goods anyway. So yeah. here is a trip on Hollywood Boulevard with some potholes along the way. <laughs> some possibly major potholes. And um, unfortunately, because of this, we can't give you guys the Melrose Place episode, even though we're tardy because life got in the way for both of us. Yeah, lots um, of life happened. So, but once we sort out the technical issues... We will be back with, uh, we'll be back on that particular block. But for today, you get Hollywood Boulevard. Yes. And it's important because there are some timely-ish things that, that we wanted to talk about. So, Karen, my question for you is, one of the last times we spoke, we talked about our current favorite TV obsession du jour, Succession, which just had its season two finale. How much of season two have you gotten through? I've seen the whole damn thing. Guess what? So have we. <laughs> and I Alyssa, cannot wait. Just to fill the uh, our, our, I don't know, our listener, whoever you are. <laughs> just to fill you in, pause. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa, I feel that succession. I love it. And Alyssa does not love everything. Or anything. No, you love what's good. So, let's start with you. In in general, what do you love about the show? What separates the show from the rest of the TV pack? Because now that we've sampled some more of the sort of the hot button TV shows, we're looking at you, Pose and Ozark. Um, I think um, the writing and the acting is just on a higher level than. Um, everything else. I think Jesse Armstrong, who's the showrunner, has just really constructed a show and characters and plot that's so intricate and so smart. And I don't feel insulted. I don't feel lectured. I don't lectured at. I don't feel uh, like I'm one step ahead of it. I don't feel like there's any gotcha moments. I I don't feel like they sacrifice like storytelling and character for like huge twists or big moments or um and I also think that it it's very theatrical it works like a play um it's hilarious and it's chock full of theater actors and that's I think yeah it's filmed in New York and you've got a lot of New York actors I yeah I agree I think it doesn't spoon feed anything i don't think it panders to an audience i think it's a i think it's sophisticated kind of like art comedy sort of disguised as an hour-long drama and it and it works because it hits all the right notes um and and yeah so i i was very impressed by season one and i was never disappointed by a single episode of the 10 episodes in season two no, there's no filler. No, no. I think what I love about it is that it, at, at its root, it's a family drama. 
And I think, or drama D, and I think when they sort of, when HBO released it, it was a lot about, it It was like, you know, this riff on R- Rupert Murdoch and his empire. And, you know, and, and like, I got like where the appeal would be to people to watch it, but that didn't grab me, you know, and I sort of ended up watching it by accident because you all know, you know, I finally got HBO. I've been catching up on things before I kick it to the curb and and so I was like, oh, well, let me watch the session. Brian is in this. I need to see this. You know, everyone says he's wonderful. And I was completely hooked. And I was like, yeah, it's about this guy that runs this conservative media. Like, he's, he's like a bazillionaire. And, but it's really about him and his family and being a father and having these kids and, you know, and, and using his kids as pawns. And and I'm, it, it just... I think I think in that re- in that way it became much more fascinating to me than like oh well let's um, you know let's let's see this evil man and his empire ha 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 because like people are more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's it's neither uh, like there are people that are like oh why do I want to watch all these like rich people but it it it's without judgment because kind of no matter what happens, no matter what choices any of these characters make, for every win, it's also they lose. Right. Like, there's much, there's as much, oh, well, wouldn't it be nice to have that lifestyle as there is, thank God I don't live the way they live. Thank God I don't behave the way they behave. And there's a balance that is struck as a result, I think. Although, who would not kill for that yacht? Yeah, it's a pretty... Nice yacht. <laughs> Season two finale. Pretty sweet yacht on that thing. Yeah. Sails out, nails out. Sails yeah. out. <laughs> I do also, Alyssa mentioned the acting. And I think, I mean, we talk about, and we were talking about in relation like to the Emmys that were just a few weeks ago, you could fill a supporting actor category just with the men from this show. But the one that's doing, I think, would you say peerless yeah. kind of acting um is jeremy strong as as not the prodigal son not the firstborn son no. the, one, the one who was sort of like the heir apparent of sorts yeah. as show began and then has proven to be like the most fucked up of the bunch um but it's like searing subtle work that is like for, uh, from episode to episode, almost outdoes itself. And what a wonderful plot twist to leave us with for, you know, in anticipation of season three. I think we, I think we had a hiccup there. What was the last thing you said? I said, well, I, I, I said well, you know, it was a wonderful plot twist to leave us with, you know, for waiting for season three at the end of season two. Yeah, there's a. Uh, I don't know if we want to. Oh, spoil spoiler! No, just say it was a plot twist. Plot twist. There is a, there's, a, there's a twist like right at the very end where the, a character does something we did not think was going to happen, and um, and it like kind of reshuffles the whole deck. <laughs> Metaphorically. Indeed. And um. Oh, he's just so good. He's so good. He and invented that, acting. And that's the thing. That's the <laughs> thing. That, like, when you have a, a lifetime of experience of stage acting and rehearsal and scene work, you can do those things on television. Well, and uh, Jay Smith Cameron is a force oh, in this as well. We love her. 
Um, you know, and I do think the, I would say probably the one area where this show might fall short is the female characters. Because there are fewer of them and they do less with them. Yep. With the exception of Shiv, um, and with the exception of Jerry, um, but a lot of the female characters kind of exist as eye candy. Which could be a mere reflection of um, the world that they're portraying. Well, and certainly well, Logan's attitude, if no one else's. But I think, too. like, Marsha and Raya and Nan Pierce and who else do we have? Jerry Jones is yeah, yeah, Nan. Um, I mean, they had a lot of agency and they were basically like, go fuck yourself, Logan. Um, Willa, Will is an interesting character in that she has more agency than you would expect her to being a call girl. Yeah. I mean, she's got the, the eldest uh, of the bunch and kind of has them wrapped around her finger in a lot of ways. Um, but there's agency, but then there's power. There's no, you know, with the exception of Nan and Raya to a degree, you know, the but power I, dynamics and the power structure. And again, this is, this is just, you know, it could be a reflection of the world that they're living in. You know, there, that's something that I would like to see more of. I do, but I do think it comments on the way this family is set up and has lived and the way Logan is. Yeah. But also I think but I can, you do have these amazing actresses that come in and, and just act the shit out of their, we also don't, the thing about the show, and, and it's some, it's one of the thing, only things I kind of dislike about it, but at the same time, I kind of don't know if I mind. We don't really know anything about anyone on this show, except for maybe Kendall. We know he's into sneakers and rap and <laughs> cocaine, but like, we don't know what anybody, we never see them just living, you know? Well, doesn't um, Kieran Culkin's character, Roman, doesn't he have that line where he's like, do we ever just yeah. talk like a family? But like, it's true. For, it's like we they never don't. see Everything them. is purposeful. We know a little bit about Kendall, but we don't know anything about anyone else. And we have very limited information about their lives before we met them in episode one, season one. Like, we can figure stuff out, but we're not told anything. I mean... Well, that's kind of the beauty of the show, too. They're not telling us. No, no, it was praise. It wasn't a demerit. I mean, what happened to Kendall's ex-wife? Hiccup. <laughs> oh, there's a big hiccup there. It was a hiccup. We were just reminiscing about uh, Kendall's kids who were in season one and gone from most of season two, and that stupid-ass son of his who got... Knocked in the head with the can by Logan because he's an asshole. Um, I just think the show is great and unique and very much not of the moment in terms of how these peak TV shows are constructed. Um, because each episode like t- weaves a whole narrative that that you, it gives you everything you need but nothing more. It's very trenchant in ways I don't think a lot of the other writing we see is. Mm-hmm. So we just love it and now we miss it. <laughs> I know they're going to make us wait. I mean, I'm sort of hearing rumors like, okay, well, where are they going to put in the lineup? And they like, there's sort of like the rumor they might make us wait till October to roll it all out again. I'm like, oh, so long. Maybe I don't know. They have another good one. Well, maybe it'll it'll 
tie it'll Connor uh Conrad Connor's uh presidential campaign will tie in with the oh maybe it'll time out with the campaign yeah is that really going to continue that presidential bid i need more of it i need more connor i hope it does because i'm kind of because he is sort of like the wayward son like he is like no ambition yeah and he'll like randomly appear but like we know so little about him also alan ruck is like 64 and he looks amazing alan ruck i salute you he, he's 64? Yeah, he's 63. God, he looks fabulous. He looks great. He's, like, getting better with age, actually. Yeah. But he, um, Connor is the most interesting character to me because we don't know anything about him, and he's clearly got some issues, and it's like, what happened to his mom? Like, why wasn't he groomed to be the successor? Yeah. Like, what happened there? <laughs> Yeah, kind of, why did why was he sort of like thrown out to like Nevada or New Mexico or whatever? It's like yeah. he's almost like annexed. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the family's first pancake. Remember, Shiv said that. So yeah. hopefully there'll be more a little bit more background unfolding there. Yeah, that would be cool. More next yeah, season. he moved to New York. He had remember he had or he was like living in the hotel in New York, and I was like, oh, is this how we get him into the fold? And but then the season sort of took on the like trip of the week, yeah, format. So we did sort of we do sort of contrive ways of getting him on the show, but. Like, I wanted to see more of Sans. <laughs> yeah, Willis yeah the play his girlfriend wrote I could, and got panned. Most television shows, I'm like, oh, ten episodes and they're an hour. I can't. This is like, I need ten more. Yeah. Yeah, if each episode was two hours, I'd be like, works for me. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful show. I mean, it's just a really wonderful. They did a great job with it. Um, and the cast is, again, as we keep saying, phenomenal. Yeah. That's so good. So so before we march on from Hollywood Boulevard to, to Broadway, um, I just want to ask our listeners, um, are you guys watching Succession? Did you start watching this season or from the beginning? Um, what drew you to it and what do you think of it? Because I like do not want to stop talking about this also, show. Also, if Jeremy Strong wants a publicist for his Emmy campaign, I'm open. Alyssa, well, maybe you and Karen can team up. Yeah, Karen, you and I. We'll get that man an Emmy. Ugh, the man needs all the Emmys. Although. Uh, also, also, he needs all the PR work he can get because in his interviews, he's coming off a little, uh, well, what would you say? Pretentious. Yeah. Oh, really? I, I, haven't, I haven't read any interviews with him. He's like, I love him, but I think he thinks he invented acting. Yeah. Oh, bless him. Again, uh, <laughs> I love him. I think he's great, but he's quoting Hamlet in, which is up my alley. But he's a lot. Wow. Okay. Well, good for him. Good for him. Although you know who I want to see take it at the Emmys is Kieran Culkin. He oh. is just my boy on this show. I adore him. Yeah, so great. I mean, they're all good, and it's funny because Doug was like. Is this like a Mike Lee movie? Because they're all so... The, their characters are so perfect. For, it's like such a perfectly cast show. Yeah, I yeah. feel like they all just showed up on set and uh, Jesse Armstrong just watched them interact every day. He's like, okay, this will be what you say in character when we... Here, guys, it's another hiccup. <laughs> <laughs> We 
we had another hiccup. Mm-hmm. Well, we were just complimenting the actors. We were just right. Nicholas as Greg, Greg the Egg. Oh, Greg the Egg. We love Greg. Love Greg. I think season three we're going to see a lot more Greg because Greg is ho- holding some cards there. I think we will too. I know, but I'm just worried. Is this the end of Tom and Greg? I don't. If Tom is still on the show, then I don't think it's the end of Tom and Greg. But, and I hope Tom's on the show because he's great. I mean, for Greg's sake, though, it's got to be the end of Tom and Greg. Yes. Because poor Greg. I mean, really poor Greg. Um, poor Greg. Poor is he? Poor. Well, yeah, he gave up the two hundred. I guess it's yeah. true. He gave up his bazillions. Yeah. But I get it back because I feel like Ewan might be like, "Hey, you threw Logan. You helped throw Logan under the bus." Yeah. Could be. Very possible. Greg, crazy like a fox. Oh, the and show's like so even good. like James Cromwell comes in and plays himself. I don't even think he has to. He's like, here I am. I'm, I've come to yell at Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> it is so perfect. So perfect. All um, right. So we should move on to Broadway because, as luck would have it, Logan Roy himself, Succession's patriarch and and former. Client of yours, I guess. Co- what should? How would I refer to him? Yeah, he was a client. Right. Um, uh, Brian Cox is in the Great Society, which just opened on Broadway at Lincoln Center. And that's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's the second part of the the series of plays about Lyndon Johnson that Robert Schenken did. The first part was All the Way with Brian Cranston. Won some Tonys five years ago. Um, the show is, is like a glorified Wikipedia kind of thing. It's more of a historical reenactment. I don't know. It's, it's fine. It literally is fine. It's long, but the cast is filled with people who are great. Brian Cox is very good. Um, but there's no there there. Yeah, I think what people are not remembering is that the first part all the way with Brian Cranston um, mostly kind of coasted on the fact that they had Brian Cranston in a show right after the end of Breaking Bad and that was kind of its big selling point. The shows themselves are not inherently dramatic or surprising um, and I think people are unfairly comparing it to the memory of the first one. Uh, Brian Cox more than holds his own. He's terrific. I don't know. I keep saying his full name but um, because he's one of those people who I mean, uh, he says full name. Did you ever call him just Brian? Yes, I called oh. him just Brian. <laughs> um, <laughs> he and, and and some of his co-stars are are uh, quite quite good in this. Um, the show itself really? just sort Who of. Who do you think is good? Um, Mark Kudish? No, um, David Garrison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like. It's filled with men, it's men, there's <laughs> like three women that are really good elsewhere. <laughs> they don't have much to do because it's like, oh, no. yeah. oh, hey, Herbert, you know, oh, hey, like Herbert Humphrey, oh, hey, J. Edgar Hoover. It's literally that. It's like, yeah, oh, it hey, is. Yeah. There's, Bo- there's Bobby Kennedy. And, you know, it's a blink and you miss. Nobody really has any character to play except for Brian Cox. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's still full name to um, us. You know, he he. The show is like 
two hours and 45 minutes, and he's probably on stage for 220 of it. Um, Maybe even more, yeah. So it really is a vehicle for him. and But, I mean, the best I can say is it was better than I expected. I, I enjoyed it more than I expected to. That's really... I mean, this is probably going to make me sound like a Philistine, but that show and the one before it with Brian Cranston, not Brian Cox... It just, I just was like, oh my god, who is going to sit through this thing? Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel the same way. Like I didn't even see all the way because I was like, I can't. It's like three hours. I don't care. Like I don't care enough about Brian Cranston to like bother with it. I just, I couldn't go see it, and I like rarely miss the the Broadway stuff. And I feel like if Brian Cox weren't in this. Because I've never seen him on stage before, I probably would have skipped this too. Oh, you've never seen him on stage? No. Oh, such a treat, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I wish. I wish you. You. I wish there was a better vehicle. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I want. I would like a production of Hamlet with him as Claudius and Jeremy Strong as Hamlet. I know we sort of actually have that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but my God. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just reading um, a New York Times review of Dublin Carol, which they just revived over at Irish Rap. Yeah. Did you guys see it? Yeah. And I saw it in London at the Royal Court when Brian did it there. And um, with Andrew Scott, right? I, I I think it. Oh, what it was with Andrew Scott? Holy shit! I didn't even realize that. It was a very young Andrew Scott. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was a tremendously young Andrew Scott. Holy shit, I just, you totally jogged my memory. It was Andrew Scott. Um, and I probably met him after at the bar. And at that, we had a hiccup. Yeah, but maybe you got recorded. Yeah, well, so yeah, I had, I, I probably had drinks with Andrew Scott at the bar after. Jealous. And completely forgot. <laughs> Wow, I feel like half the world is jealous now. <laughs> and I just completely forgot because nobody knew who he was. But this was... No, it was the beginning of... Uh, uh, he was so young. 2000? 99? Yeah, it was 99 because it was it's set in 99. Um, and that, yeah, that's when it took wow. place. That was when it was first performed. Um, yeah, I wish we could have seen it like that because I think the... The more dynamic the actor, the better the pieces. The yeah, one I was, the, that's being done now is kind of lays. It's flat. Irish rep. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was surprised to sort of see it was a real tepid review. And usually Connor's plays do not get tepid reviews. It's a tepid play. Yeah. I, the Irish rep in general is like, I, I don't know. I think like Matthew Broderick keeps doing shows there. And I think it's because he just keeps giving them money and they just let him do whatever he wants. But everything else I've seen there, it's like not not good. I just don't think they have the money to like get the caliber of acting and like. Or art, I mean, like the it, like every, it feels it that, fe- yeah it uh, it feels like low resourced low production values yeah. So um, Carol with this cast uh, and the cast was not terrible, but the sh- but they could not breathe life into this show. Yeah, although Disco Pigs was all right. Yeah, yeah, that was actually good. That had a lot of life in it. If you could see around the columns on the stage. <laughs> Where'd they do it then? The downstairs space? Disco Pigs? 
Oh, hi. Hiccup. Lesson. I want to support the less endowed theaters, but but I've been burnt too many times by by spending time there and not enjoying it. Well, did you see? Said did, did you see Disco Pigs when it was at um, fifty nine fifty nine? No. Yeah. No, I only saw it when it came back like three two years ago. Yeah. So. Who was in it at fifty nine fifty nine? I'm trying to remember. Hold on. <laughs> trying to. Remember. I don't even know if I really like. I don't know. And the, and the Walsh, like, I don't like him, but he has a way of getting under my skin, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It was um, Madeline Carr and Rex Daugherty. Daugherty. And I'm trying to see where this one came from, because... Ivana Lynch? It came from uh, Solis Nua, um, which is an Irish... Uh, a company out of Ireland. Mm. Um, well, so that's Dublin Carol and Great Society. Do you want to talk real quick, Melissa, uh, about Linda Vista? And then we could also talk about a show all three of us actually got to see. Sure. Um, no, Linda Vista by Tracy Letts. Um, Tracy Letts. I think he's one of my favorite playwrights. I think he's one of your favorite actors, too. Yeah, I love him. But he's like, his last two plays, like, Mary Page Marlowe let me down. And this, Linda Vista, I think, is better than Mary Page Marlowe. Yeah. Um, and it's about a 50-year-old divorced man who's just moving into his new apartment in, at Linda Vista. Um, and he's sort of salty and surly and has a lot of opinions has a lot of opinions i don't i mean a lot of the reviews are like oh he's unbearable he's awful he's like a terrible guy i unlikable is he unlikable yet but he's like kind of just like the that blowhard type who wants to keep listening to himself talk um and has a lot of opinions and thinks he's right all the time but is really kind of a loser Uh, we all know people like that Mm. um he goes on rants that are a little overwritten, I think. It ver- the whole thing sort of verges on sitcom. Yeah, it feels like a, a sitcom setup. Um, yeah, you have, like, the episode... It, it, it felt like a whole season of a sitcom. Like, oh, I would moving say, in, I'm dating. Yeah, I would say... Go to a karaoke bar, act like. one feels like a pilot, and act two feels like the entire rest of a season jammed into an act. It has some funny... There's funny lines, you know... There's funny bits. And the I, acting is very good. Jan Barford. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Jan. Jan spelled Ian, but I heard it pronounced Jan in Anna D. Shapiro's Tony speech. <laughs> Who's married to Jan Barford. He's very good. Um, he was also the father in the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, which was a big uh, a hit in uh, Tony winner. He was four also seasons ago. little Charles. Yeah. In the original August Osage County um, cast, but he's very good. He's supposed to be a schlub. But, like, he's handsome, and he's got a great body. There's a lot of nudity and simulated sex, um, if that's your thing. Um, it all sort of amounts to nothing. There's, like, no surprises. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, they're going to break up. Oh, she's going to leave him. Oh, he's going to do th-. There's, like, there's nothing. I don't want to say there's nothing original about it, but it's... There's, there's something pat feeling about yeah, it. Yeah, it's kind of 
he's I feel like Tracy Letts is too good for this play. It reminds me it sort of reminds me of Man from Nebraska. No, Man from Nebraska had more of that like now I'm doing sculpting and now I'm um, yeah, Man from Nebraska sort of had that sort of episodic, was but yeah. it had more depth, I think, than yeah. than this. But even like Mary Page Marlowe was sort of episodic. It's like first we get her at like fifteen, and then we get her at like thirty five. And... Yeah, I mean that was like structurally very yeah. schematic. I mean, I don't not recommend Linda Vista. I just it's long. It's like two forty five and. I'm torn because I enjoyed it more than a lot of the other things I've seen, but but I wish it had reached higher. And I've seen, I've witnessed, I should say, Tracy Letts' work reach higher. So I yeah, wish it had. and I just want to say, like a lot of reviews were pointing out, like, why do we care about this straight white guy? And it's like, that's who the story's about, and that's that. Yeah, that's you know, all. Like, yeah, Tracy Letts isn't trying to make a grand statement about anything other than like this is his character i mean if he wrote about anyone else they'd be like how does he know about <laughs> that kind of well i guess that's a sort of bigger question um a much bigger question that that is kind of interesting does everything need to be an issue play well it's funny because like going back to succession i feel like one of the reasons i really like succession is that like i never feel like okay, this is our race episode, and then, like, this character's gay, and, like, this character is this, and this character gets raped, and I'm yeah, like... Yeah, it's a thing where, like, No it's one beats up prostitutes, you know what I mean? And, it's like, <laughs> and I, I feel that way, too. It's like, does everything have to be, like, issues with the capital I? And, like, as a playwright myself, I'm always like, well, I don't write issue plays, and I feel like I'm never gonna, like, get anywhere because I'm not writing... Like, every play, especially at, like, the bigger subscriber houses are, like... This is a play about race. This is a play about gender. This is a play about sexuality. This is a play about, you know, whatever. Whatever you and, do. And you sort of go, can it just be a really good fucking story? We're having a hiccup. I, We're having a hiccup, and I just said something so profound. Say it again. Say it again. I said something to the effect of... Um, this is a play. You, Alyssa was saying this is a play about rape. This is a play, and I said, "Well, can it just be a good, a, a good fucking story, or something like that?" No, it, it was in the moment. The moment's gone. Have, no, but it was such a great point. We have to keep talking about it. It's true. No, because no one's just writing for story anymore, and no one knows how to appreciate that anymore. Is what I'm finding. Right, and I know we can't talk about it because it hasn't opened yet. But I had that thought at Little Shop yesterday with like Little Shop of Horrors with like. Oren and Audrey, and I was like, you know, people have talked about, like, oh, well, can, how do we deal with, like, Audrey beating, you know, being beaten up by Oren? And it's like, but this is who these characters are. It's not about, like, when not everyone is trying to, like, have a. We're hiccuping. Oh, this is a long. That was a long hiccup. That was a long oh, hiccup. No. Go back. Oh, no. I think you might have missed everything Alyssa said, but it was super smart. We did. Can you repeat that, please? <laughs> I said uh, we saw Little Shop of Horrors yesterday, and we really can't talk about it because it's not open. But um, I was thinking about, like, the Audrey and Oren storyline where, you know, he beats her He's up. He's the sadistic and, dentist. you know, a lot of people are like, well, how are we going to, like handle the Audrey stuff in 2019 and it's like well these are just characters that exist like not everyone is going to be a good guy and not everybody is going to do 
moral things like and not everybody is going to make good choices being involved with the bad person this is the plot and this is what moves the story forward but it's also because everything you know people are always like i'm triggered by this i'm triggered by this i have i can't watch this like this is too much like why do we need these stories and we haven't seen the joker yet but like i feel like that's another like this is just a character who does these things and it's unfair to say we can't have these characters like that in our stories anymore. I think what becomes sort of troubling too is that I think that we're walking a fine line towards censorship now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's self-censorship now, really. When you sort of go you know like, you know, representation matters, okay? It yeah. does. It does. But the, there is going to be a flip side to that, which is if you have a lot of gun violence in movies, then people are going to do things with guns that aren't very good, that, yeah. that are not safe, that are dangerous, that are deadly. Um, you know, and, and so therefore we can't have any more movies with guns. Right. Right. I mean, it kind of gets, like, you get, like, a slippery slope here, you know? Yeah, it's not evolution, really. It's a de-evolution, but that's a, it's a bigger that's a bigger topic than our computers want us to probably have tonight. <laughs> yeah, our computers are just going to shut down if we try and have that conversation. Yeah. Well, like I always say, it's like some people are, some stories are about white people and some are about black people and some are about Latino people and some are about gay people and et cetera, et cetera. It's like... There's, these are just stories. Yeah, we're allowed to have all of them. And speaking of stories that were just stories until the very end, good Lord, our dear dead drug lord. Okay, I really liked it. I really liked it, too, until the last ten minutes. Did you look up what he was saying online? No, Did I didn't. Did you go didn't. on the site and look up? No, I didn't realize that you could. Oh, look, there. Uh, well, so let's, okay, let's step back a second before Alyssa repeats herself. But so it's a play about four high school girls and women, I guess I should say. Um, um, and, 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 you know, they, they all connect at this club that worships these. The dead leaders. Yeah. Club. And uh, um, yes. And as the play goes on for the bulk of the play, we're really finding more about what makes these women tick and their, their, their backstories. And I think these actresses were very good. Uh, and it's in the last 10 minutes of the show that it becomes something else. It kind of changes plot-wise, sub-genre-wise, tone-wise, what it is. So Alyssa's question was, this, this character appears at the very end of the play and says some things in his native language, but Alyssa looked up what he was saying. I think we have another hiccup. This technical stuff is terrible. We're back. I guess we had another hiccup. I know. It feels like the, it feels like it's like the beeping you out whenever you're trying to say like what what he actually what was actually said in Spanish. I know. Our phone, our computer is. Well, we're not far from the women's project, so maybe they're on to us. <laughs> <laughs> we're only about four blocks away, but um. 
Yeah, I to an extent I agree with you about the end. Um mostly because what it's supposed to be doing I felt was unearned. Like if we're gonna talk about how much magic and power the one girl pipes her name was has uh as a woman, um I don't feel like it was there to begin with throughout the show. I think the thing with the dead sister is very underdeveloped. Like I never quite understood how much the sister meant to her. Right. Um, so I get what you're saying about the end. Well, and there was also a moment at the end that was kind of, it wasn't, it, it was never, it was never set up for that sort of like girl power ending. That's what, yeah, that's how I feel. You know, where all of a sudden there's like this thing where, and, and, and it's, and again, it felt like for me, the loop of the story wasn't closed. Right. Um, we don't know what happened with, um, oh my God, I wish they had the characters names on the, um. New kit on the on the website. Pipe is the lead, I guess. Yeah, the one whose treehouse we're in. Yeah, no, not her. The um, the girl, the zoom, zoom, yeah, zoom. You know, we we don't we don't really know what what happened to Zoom. No. We we don't we don't know what is real and what is not. Right. We don't. Yeah. There just seemed to be this thing that sort of happens. And is it real? Is somebody like having a hallucination? Is there? You know, it, did the spirit of Pablo Escobar show up? It, it was all very. It was all very strange and where and it and it was jarring because. It wasn't strange throughout the entire play until right. that sort of very, very, very ending moment. And even that strange I could have gone with until it then took another turn from being, you know, straightforward to like this weird, strange, what the hell is going on here? And then this other turn to being sort well, of like, think- oh, female power there? missive. <laughs> All right, we waited out a hiccup because I, you know, I was just going to say, yeah, I like that it gets increasingly theatrical, but this that last turn is unearned and unresolved. But Alyssa, what were you going to say? I think there's, some, I think the whole show is sort of strange, intense. I mean, yeah, five minutes they sacrifice a cat. It's not shown, but so I think there is sort of like, wow, these girls are really fucked up, and what's going on? I mean. They're holding a seance to summon Pablo Escobar. I mean, it's weird. The whole thing is sort of heightened and weird. I don't um, think it, I, did, I thought it was just teen girls doing this, and then they kill a cat. So that I was kind of like, well, she's going to turn out to be the serial killer, you know, um, because she would, you know, because she did it. You know, I mean, I, it was weird, and but then you know, teenage girls. Well, okay, maybe not all, but I was the teenage girl having the seance in my bedroom. Like, it's what we did. Yeah, I mean, we played with Ouija boards and whatever weird stuff. The stuff that didn't work for me was two things, actually. The political stuff, you know, the the play is set in 2008 on the eve of, like, Obama's first um, 
presidential presidential election. election. So it's like that didn't really work for me. Um, if they wanted to create it, uh, use it as more character development, I guess. But it felt just like thrown in. Um, I think we. Do we lose you, Karen? No, no, I'm here. I'm here. I, I was thinking about it, and I, I think I agree. It didn't do much to it for it. The dead sister thing didn't work for me, um, just because I like ne- didn't really get how close she was to her, how important it was. And there be the hiccup. Overall, I like the ride. Overall, I like the ride more than uh, a lot of the other new works, especially new works by younger uh, and recently graduated playwrights. So uh, there is that. But, like, comparatively, like, I'll just say quickly, we saw Mothers at the Playwrights Round over the weekend, Mm -hmm. and it's closed now. But, like, that's another play where it's, like, the last 40 minutes or so get flipped on its head, and it's like, wow, did we earn this? Mm -hmm. Is this... You know, these very, like, heightened, like, I don't know what you call them. You know, these plays have become heightened and shock for shock's sake, I guess. Yeah. It's like you have to earn it. You have to give us something to earn the shock value. Well, I think that was also something that was sort of weighing on me was that, you know, you can't really give the spoiler out, but there is this big shocking graphic yeah. thing that happens at the end of this and and I'm sort of I remember like uh, thinking about you know Ben Brantley loved this he gave the show a rave he also gave uh let the white let the right one in a rave which I sat through you know by my favorite playwright Jack Thorne <clears throat> and, and I and and I sat through it and I was like bored out of my mind and I and I'm just like and and it's sort of like oh it's so bloody well first of all no it's not and second of all like they're just I'm I'm kind of like at this point where I'm like wow Ben Brantley must really like slasher films well he loved Mercury Fair which I also loved but he like was one of the only ones to rave about it um, which was at the new group a couple of years back yeah Philip Ridley another Philip Ridley yeah who yeah, I also uh, work at yeah so. Yeah. I don't know. I sort of like the weird and graphic, like, I like the weird graphic stuff. I was like, do you, Doug, do you know what Mother's is about? We have to go see it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I like that sort of thing. Um, That's when I feel uncomfortable in the theater, just waiting for whatever's graphic or violent to happen. Um, I know we always talk about what makes us uncomfortable in the theater now, Um but yeah, Brantley. I know. I guess I never realized how much he always raves about these the genre, these graphic genre-y violent things. And I guess for me, like for me, for the violence and the horror and that sort of thing, it's not about the graphic. It's about it's about the suspense leading up to it. Me right? too. Yeah. You know, and the question of you know that that sort of don't go back in the house don't go in the basement don't you know oh you're gonna go you know what i mean that that sort of building the anticipation and i didn't have that for this play it was like there was none of that and then all of a sudden there was just this really graphic and i was like wow i felt like that was kind of gratuitous well the interesting thing is that there's a note in the program that's like morning graphic violence so you're like 
is this the graphic violence? <laughs> like, what is the graphic violence going to happen? Um, and they stage it in a way that makes it more upsetting than really graphic. But, I mean, to go back to mothers, like, the people behind me, I don't think were prepared for yeah. it. And they were like, why are they doing this? They literally said that out loud. It's like, we have to read the playbill. And I was like, what did you think you came to? Like, so, you know, you can't overestimate or underestimate rather anyone. Karen, when you were in town for other reasons, you chose to see this play. What was it that made you see it? I mean, come on. They were doing a seance with Pablo Escobar. So it was just, it was, you you heard about the play and it was the subject matter. And you're like, oh yeah, I want to check this out because I'll be in town. I was like a, a group of teenage girls who hold a seance to raise Pablo Escobar from the dead. Oh my God, I'm so there. I'm so Got there. It. Yeah. Um, and and I had read Ben's review and I thought, you know, this sounds like something that's really right, right up my alley. And then, um, you know, a few people had said to me, they were like, oh, yeah, I don't know. They were like, and then they were like, you have a stronger stomach than me. You can handle that stuff better than I can, you know? And I was like, how bad could this be? You know? And again, like for me, I just went in and I got really annoyed by it. You know, it didn't shock me. It didn't, it didn't make me, um, sick. It didn't disgust me. It didn't do any of those things. It just, it actually just annoyed me because I felt like the audience deserved more. I felt like the characters deserved more because it was a really lovely, lovely. I mean, it was a really good play and I was really enjoying it. And the actors, um, should also point out were extraordinary. And I think two of them, it was like their professional New York debut, which was even more extraordinary. Yeah. Those, the four women who occupy most of the stage time, I thought were all very impressive. Um, and, and so, you know, so, so that's why, that's why I was like, ah, snap up a ticket here. I want to, I want to see this, you know, and it was a playwright I had never heard of. And obviously she's very new. Um, so it just kind of had all of those, those, it ticked a lot of boxes for me of like what, what I want to see in the theater. Um, and I didn't not, I didn't feel like it was, you know, I didn't feel like, oh man, I just blew 60 bucks on this. You know, I didn't feel that way at all. I actually was like, okay, yeah, this was a, this was, this was a, I'm glad I, I'm glad I went. I didn't, did I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, and I, and I only didn't love it because of those final like 10 minutes. Yeah, I'm still glad I saw it. I definitely think those last 10 minutes is the weakest part of the show. But I'm glad I saw it, and um, I think I think she proved to be a, a, a talent that I would be curious to see what she can do next. Yes, absolutely. I think there are a lot of really great young female playwrights actually telling stories. Not... Are they getting produced? Yeah, I saw okay. two of them. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, even this, I felt like it finally had a story. I felt like we had a plot. I felt like it was going somewhere. And again, it kind of shit the bed the last 10 minutes. But it was, you know, I was like, wow, this is actually kind of about something. That's cool. Are we hiccuping? Yeah, that was a long hiccup. Maybe we should say goodbye. um, Repeat what you said, and then let's uh, call it a day. Oh, I don't even remember what I said. But before we go, I have a treat for everybody. 
a treat. A treat. Y'all need to go to David Tennant's website, david-tennant.co.uk. On October 31st, 2013, he posted something um, on his, I don't know if it's a blog or whatever you want to call it. Listen to David Tennant read vampire stories. And it's all this free audio of exactly that. The marvelous David Tennant reading vampire stories. I think we have another hiccup. Yeah, but so David Tennant reads uh, scary stories? Yeah. And it's from, it's from 2013, uh, October 31st. Maybe Google it. David Tennant reading vampire stories. And you will get links to him reading, you know, MP3s of really cool vampire stories. So happy Halloween. Yeah. Ooh, hopefully we're back again before the actual holiday itself, because right now my computer is scaring me. Oh, is it doing naughty things? Well, with us right now, yeah. Yeah, is it really? No, I just mean these glitches. Uh, I thought I thought something else was going on that I couldn't see. No. Okay. Yeah. Apartment is haunted. Yeah, maybe our apartment's haunted. Could be electrical interference. Yeah, well, guys, come back around again next time, and hopefully uh, we'll still be here. And there will be no technical difficulties. Oh, fingers firmly crossed. Yes. Thank you, Karen, and thank you, listeners, for bearing with us through this. We had a lot of stuff we wanted to say, so we hope most of it at least makes it to your ears yeah and hopefully next time we'll have some melrose place action for you melrose some more and hopefully jeremy strong hears this and hires us as his publicist that's right jeremy strong (laughs) all right y'all thanks for hanging out on the block with us thanks it's been nice to revisit okay bye bye see you back on the block on the boulevard all the things